Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. We just wrapped up a podcast interview with um, Desmond Wigan. Desmond is the co-founder, CEO of Battery Exchange here in Charlotte. Um, great podcast. Um, I can't wait to share it with you. He does a, um, a great job, got a phenomenal life story, um, and is and is um, and he's a millennial, right? So um, the things that he's accomplished, the things that he's going to accomplish, um, and as an African-American black entrepreneur, the things that he's had to endure and go through, um, really compelling story. Um, he's... Um, he's going to make things successful and that means battery exchange and anything else that he puts his mind to. So really powerful interview, great founder, great company, great startup here in Charlotte, um, and even better person. So hope you enjoyed today's version or today's edition of the Charlotte Angel Connection podcast with founder Desmond Wigan. All right. Welcome to the show today, Desmond. We're glad to have you. Man, I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Um, so the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> so you've had a you had a busy year this year, to 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 say the least. Um, to be honest, um, or actually, you probably had a busy last couple of years. So I'm excited to kind of dive through everything. Um, so um, standard um, standard opportunities. Give me a give me a 60 second Desmond commercial. Who are you? Man, I am a, a, a new dad, um, a husband, um, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, um, you know, culture, family is really important to me. Um, I'm all about changing the narrative of uh, African-Americans in technology and in my various, you know, capacity, I'm just trying to give a little bit of value to the world so that it could be a better place for like my son and just like entrepreneurs of the future. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that you let off with being a dad first. That's, um, that's cool. So, um, anyways, I'll circle back around in 10 years and see if you still lead off with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It depends, you know, it depends on our relationship and, and you know, what he's doing at the time. So, Oh, he'll be great, man. He's got a great dad, so he's going to be just fine. Um, so, um, so let's dive into um, a little bit of um, of your history. So you're from Charlotte. Um, you went off to school. Um, you ran in um, you ran in college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm actually um, originally from New York, but I did grow up in Charlotte. Okay. When? How old were you when you moved down here? Um, I moved down here in middle school, and okay. um, you know my parents just wanted a, a better opportunity for me and my. Uh, my younger brother. So, uh, we came down South. Okay. So you've got a younger brother. Yep. 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 We're 10, okay. 10 so, years apart. Okay. So you're the older one. So you're the, um, you're the firstborn. Yeah. Right. I'm, so I'm just like cool. trial and error type thing. <laughs> that's exactly. Um, so you went off, you went to school, you ran, um, what was your, um, what was your, uh, I guess your, your best or what were you known for? Were you the hundred meter? Were you the, uh, marathon guy what did you run neither right so I was just like in the mix so um yeah. you know it, it's kind of crazy when I was younger I started running when I was 10 um I used to how be come a, um, was the reason you started running or would you just enjoy it or was it like your um was it your getaway what was it so I've always been in tune with like sports growing up and um, my parents and my family were Jamaican, right? And I don't know if you know much about Jamaican runners, but they tend to be pretty good. And so um, we, we tried it out and it was in either between that and soccer. And then I just, I had a cousin that was running and she was really, really good. She was like ranked around the nation and she was just like, hey, I, I think you kind of have what it takes. And so I took her lead, um, started running and initially, I started running the 3000. And so like that is, I, I knew I was a distance guy. Like I, I didn't have the, 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 the tw- fast twitch muscles, like, you know, for the hundred and stuff like that, but I could keep and maintain a pretty good pace. And so I started running the 3k um, and cross country. 
And, you know, over the years, I actually, I don't know if it's because I got older or whatever it was, or my Jamaican genes started to, to kind of come in because um, Jamaicans are not known for distance. I started to um, lower my distances. So in high school, I ran the mile um, and I was a pretty good miler. I think it was like 420, um, 423, I think in, in high school. And then in college, I actually found my, my gem, which would be the 800. And I think that that started being my baby um, because it was a little bit of um, the speed and the twitch muscles that I had um, developed over time, but also that endurance. Um, and honestly, I, I always equate running to entrepreneurship because I feel like, you know, in entrepreneurship, you just have to have that mentality of like, man, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to balls to the wall, just be resilient. And, you know, I, I'm gonna do what I got to do to to win. Right. And so I felt like what the 800 taught me was at the 300 mark. Well, so like with 300 meters left, um, that's like the most critical point for me as a runner. Um, because that's when I decided like, man, I'm gonna go like, yeah, we have almost a whole lap left, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna yeah. test the next guy to me, I'm gonna see where his heart is at. Because a lot of individuals wait until the last 100 meters. I'm either going to not make it, you know, on a hundred or I'm going to tap into that, that second gear and give it all I got, you know, that last hundred meters. But if I wait to the last hundred meters, you know, in essence, that next person may, you know, have a faster foot speed than me, you know? And so like, I can't change yeah. that. I got to go with the opportunity and, and go with my gut, you know? And I, I, I really take that into like day in and day out into like entrepreneurship. But, um, I was the the captain um, my junior and senior year um, at Winston-Salem State, um, and I, you know, did cross country, indoor track, outdoor track. Um, I led my team to the first uh, CIAA conference championship as well um, in our junior year. So um, yeah, I, I loved it, and I still love it. Do you still run? So I, I do. Um, a buddy of mine has a, a really cool running club, um, Mad Miles Run Club, um, in Charlotte. And I, I run with them. It's a couple hundred people each week. Um, not necessarily together, right? It's COVID, yeah. but virtually just kind of doing their own thing. And we check in on um, Instagram. But, you know, um, I, I do run. I run about two times a week now. Um, I'll do like a Tuesday run and then a longer run with some buddies on, on Saturdays. And we actually just, he challenged me, my, my college buddy, to uh, running under a five minute mile. So like a few weeks ago, I ran like 450 or something like that so <laughs> you jerk you jerk <laughs> i was um my best time in high school was five and a half so okay. um um anyways i used to i used to think that was pretty good until we started talking so anyway <laughs> it is good it's respectable i'll tell you that <laughs> There you go. So, um, so you, um, you've got great experience in high school, um, high school, you move on, you've got a great experience in college, you lead your team to the CIA championships. Um, you're a captain junior, senior year. Um, you come out of school. What, um, what'd you do? What did you want to do? Yeah. So my, my junior senior year, I started looking at what's next. Um, you know, talk to my family and I felt like going into like a corporate role, corporate environment would give me some good, uh, you know, perspective on like how to run business. Cause I think that's something that I've always had in me. And my, my dad always showed me that um, being a, you know, second generation, third generation entrepreneur. But um, I felt like that would be a, a good environment to just learn. And so I started looking into leadership development programs and I started working for Pepsi um, and honestly just 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 thrived and grew and learned like my leadership development program exposed me to all aspects of business. So everything from sales to, you know, manufacturing to um, production to marketing to HR to finance to international business. And um, I, I took that and then moved up into a sales management position. And so honestly i was like two years two years out i started managing close to like 30 people well first my first team was like eight but then i started managing like 30 people after like two years um and that was different you know i was a 24 25 24 year old you know really telling people what to do um but i've always been a person that could connect right with relationships so i <clears throat> 
took time to, you know, figure out what, what motivated them so that I could lead them effectively. Um, and my bosses, right. Entrusted me to, um, you know, just leading, honestly, leading the team and speaking um, for like the, the the management group. And then that got me promoted. So I was like, kind of like on a fast track to like a VP position. I was like an account manager for like Walmart. So that taught me, taught me like, how do you handle relationships with like divisional vice presidents and, you know, um, VPs and just different things like that. And so told me and taught me to up my game on a real, you know, uh, you know, really different level, like how to articulate you know, what we want, but how to tap into, you know, it being value add for like the customer. Um, so that was cool. Um, and that was a little bit of my uh, corporate experience. What, um, how much did you fall back on um, kind of leading your team from track, right? I mean, how much, how much, um, that, that was like your first leadership position, right? It was like your first time managing a group was being the captain of the team. And you learned from that and the struggles of dealing with different people and personalities and how they respond to different um, communication styles. So, um, you know, how uh, did you learn more at Pepsi about being a leader? Did you learn more as the captain of your track team about being the leader? I, I learned just the fundamentals of leadership through track um, and being a captain. And, you know, my university did a really good job of taking the captains and allowing us and exposing us to like, you know, networking and, um, you know, um, conferences and just different things like that, that we could learn, like how to truly lead a team. And so I think like I learned the foundational things, but in Pepsi, I was actually able to like, um, you know, imply those things and like put those things into real practice and like see if like what I learned actually makes sense. And a part of that is like, yeah, but it has to be applicable to like your current environment. And, you know, Pepsi's a, a more traditional culture. So um, some of the things that I, I kind of wanted to do, I wasn't actually able to do. So I had to adapt to like the current environment and um, just kind of figure it out. So it's a little bit of both. So like learning the fundamentals in, in track and then like being able to apply those things, um, you know, in, in the corporate environment. Yeah. So you stayed with Pepsi for four and a half, five years. Is that right? Yep. 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 My last position account manager, um, four years and then just got to the point. So like, you know, just like what every millennial we're, we're always trying and doing stuff. Right. So I had started a few startups, um, and just like really found a love for like building something from scratch and like finding people to believe in it and, you know, help you get to the next level. And so, um, I knew that I was getting into the point of, you know, a few things that I wanted to do in my, my life. Like one, I wanted to get into like a more international level. Um, I wanted to do stuff internationally, get that exposure, um, immerse myself a little bit more in the tech space and then also get an MBA. I felt like that could be a valuable, um, you know, source for me to not only grow my level of intellect, but also like expand my network. Um, and so I, in essence, found an opportunity uh to to kind of do that uh it sounds like a pretty consistent um pattern finding an opportunity um so you find an opportunity it takes you to a different place where do you go man i go on the other side of the world i i I go to china and you know it is my like my she was my fiance at the time she thought i was crazy right or actually she was just my girlfriend but um she thought I was crazy when I said I wanted to go to China. You know, I didn't know anybody. I, I didn't speak the language, but um, I am like a global econ nerd. So like my family's Jamaican um, and like I mentioned, and they're really big on culture. They're really big on like exposing me to things like growing up in New York, you just get exposed to, you know, just, just so much. And so I grew up just seeing how people work and how different cultures, their perspectives and how that brings into um, and influences business. And so I started looking into China more and more and, and, and saw what they did over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, but also saw their hunger to be innovators. Um, and I felt like it was an opportunity to immerse myself in that space. And so I literally go all the way to China, not, not knowing anybody there. And, you know, I never like, at least in the first few weeks, months or whatever, like I didn't necessarily feel culture shock in a point of like um deterrence it was more of like man like 
this is so foreign to me. Like I want to learn more. And so that just motivated me to, to, to build a, you know, um, what they call like Guanxi, which is like your network. And so I just, you know, had friends, you know, uh, now colleagues and different individuals like that. Like I just, I learned the culture because I felt like the more and more you understood the people, you knew why they made decisions in business and, you know, their thought processes and, you know, their values and different things like that. And I just try to, to, to grow and learn and go in there. I just deleted da, 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 everything that I knew or I thought I knew about China and just went into it fresh and was just like, I'm going to learn, you know, by immersion and um, that's what I did. And it, it was one of the uh, definitely a life changing experience. So what was the biggest thing um, or kind of biggest theme or whatever that came out besides your, your, what is, we're going to talk about in a few minutes, your startup. Um, what's the biggest theme or lesson that you learned being in China? I think, um, you know, a lot of it deals with people. Um, a lot of it deals with uh, perspective. Um, and I think it has molded me as like a leader of my company now, just like being open to, to different um, because uh, a lot of the, the things or the way that, you know, the culture does things is quite different than we do here. Right. Um, and what was cool is that even though it was so different, I think we all had the same values and we all have the same like wants out of life. And so that's the core essence of where we're trying to get to. It's just like a different road that is being taken. And so I think that helps me now as I build my team and just like, you know, have individuals from different backgrounds, different cultures, and they bring these different perspectives, but it allows me to be open-minded um, to, to just that different. And then also um, just really, I, I thought I was a techie and like love technology and love you know, innovation and stuff like that. But I, I realized how risk averse I was, you know, and, you know, you'd be in, honestly, you'd be in like your Shanghai's or your Beijing's um, and people just like on it, but you're going to like the rural environment and, you know, people would be trying the, or wanting to try or want to be a part of like the next best thing. Um, it didn't matter where you were. Um, their, their, their mentality is just like, let's try it because it gets us closer to, um, something that could completely change and make things way more efficient for us. So, you know, QR codes are really big there. And like, again, you go in the most ruralist part, like even the city that I lived in was, it was fair. It's not a big city. Like for us, I think like, you know, New York is, mm, I think like 10 million or something like that, or maybe seven or 8 million. The city I was living in um, had like 9 million. And that was a second tier city, you know, it wasn't even like the big one. So there was a lot of people, but it wasn't like your Shanghai. Um, and so I, I just learned a lot about people. I learned a lot about innovation. Um, I started working in the tech space. As I said, I built my Guanxi. I, I started working for a firm that allowed me to get exposure to some really advanced technology and like robotics, AI, the sharing economy, like all different things. Like I was going to conferences where Alibaba was there, you know, and like just, um, you know, Tencent and like these major companies. And I was just, again, just learning from them. So I think like that was what, like, it just pushed me to thinking differently, um, really understanding what innovation means and, you know, how you could have innovative ideas and how you could be valuable to like society and like culture and community. And um, those are things that are important to me. Um, so before you packed up and went to China, you did something else, right? Um, yep, yep, yep. What, yeah. what, what was, um, how'd that go? Um, it, it, it went good because we're still going, right? So um, yeah. it was an interesting so right time. Before you go, Right before yeah. you, so tell the story right before you go, what'd you do? Yeah, so um, I had, um, uh, my now co-founder, Aubrey, um, had gotten into the program as well. Um, so he had, you know, flown out there um, and we went to undergrad together. So he saw me on social media. He was like, man, what are you even doing out there? You know, I said, I'm doing my MBA. And, you know, he in essence was able to get into the program. So, you know, I'm out there and, you know, we shared values on a cultural level because his family's from Africa, West Africa and, you know, legacy and like, you know, building and starting and, you know, being able to kind of share, um, you know, just something different with uh, like our families. And so we were always looking at business ideas 
And it wasn't until, you know, we were kind of out and about um, one day and literally ran into an inconvenience, just being millennials of having dead batteries um, for our cell phones. And it was just like that light bulb moment because it was just like, man, like we don't really have time to kind of stay in this one place and be tethered over an outlet. Like, why isn't there a more convenient way to like, you know, pick up a charge or like move around and just like, you know, be really convened, but be mobile at the same time. And so that's when, you know, we were just like, man, like, I, I, you know, I think we, we have it, you know, as far as like some ideas, there were some like solutions out there, but those weren't even as, um, you know, what we thought could really happen because the, the cell phone is so important. And so we literally went back that night back to like our apartment and just like started sketching out like mock images of like, and like, 10 years from now, I hope I still have those so I could put them in like, you know, whatever. And it'd be really, really cool. But, you know, we started sketching out ideas on what the concept would look like. Um, and, you know, and that's so what, when was that? Um, what year was the, so it's 2018. Gotta, gotta, yeah. It was, okay. it's, it's spring 2018. It was like our last, it was my last semester. Um, and I was about a month um, before coming back to America and it was just okay. like, man, I wanted to come back with something. And, you know, that was always my thought. I wanted to come back with something. I want to come back empty handed. You know, I wanted to come back with some idea or like, you know, new whatever. And like I had some opportunities to work out there still. But that's where like that 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 balance. Right. Family. My wife was like, nah, I already gave you two years. Like you got to come back. And so it was, you know, everything just kind of made sense. And, you know, we came back that summer on. Um, um, and, and just hit the ground running, um, got into a few accelerator programs um, and sacrificed going back into the corporate environment and was just like, man, we're going to we're going to figure out how to get this business up and running. Um, so started to put together MVP um, and just started to put it out there. And again, just find environments where individuals would, you know, leverage the, the product that we had. Um, and it, it just kind of made sense. All right. So now let's dive into the product a little bit, right? So you've got company battery exchange. Um, and so as you pointed out, millennials like their phones and apparently older people too. Um, and as a result, batteries tend to die on a fairly frequent basis. And then as you said, you know, next thing you know, you're at the airport tethered to the little USB thing for two hours trying to wait for the thing to charge. So you can have it on the plane. Right. So, um, y'all came up with, um, back exchange. What is it? How does it work? Um, uh, where can you find them, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, it's a, uh, you know, I'll give you the, 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 the short one liner, right? Like it's a rental platform where we provide like on-demand portable batteries for cell phone users. Um, but you know, on a deeper set and it's, it's, it's how we keep people connected to things and people that matter to the most. Like our cell phone is our lifeline. And without it, you know, you, you can't reach out to your loved ones. You can't reach out to your friends. Um, if you are on social media, you can't post, you can't see what everybody else is doing, or you can't, you know, tune in with work. Um, and at the time, you know, the, the on to go mentality was, was the thing. Like, I, I don't have time to do this, you know, and the, opportunities at hand were just, you know, the, the, the stationary um, outlets or the locker boxes where, again, you would be removed from, you know, something that connected you to something that was important to you. And so we saw that and then we built out a, a product which um, allows individuals to rent um, portable batteries on demand. Um, so in essence, through a mobile application, you will be able to see where kiosk machines are located. Um, and, you know, through that, you can find a kiosk machine and, you know, it could be at a convention center, it could be at a, you know, a bar or restaurant, or it could be at a, a, a business that you're in, you, in essence, rent the portable battery, plug it up to your phone. Um, it's compatible with any cell phone on the market right now. Um, you charge your cell phone, you keep it as long as you want, you're, you're able to be mobile, so you don't have to stay there. If you wanted to move into another location, move on to another part of the uh, venue, you could do that. And then once you're finished, you just use that mobile app again and um, find a kiosk machine and just return it back. Um, and so I, I, I bring it into like, you know, current times, right? Because our distribution channel pre-COVID were events, you know, and, you know, where people would just congregate for several hours and be in this inconvenience. And it was, 
it's quite interesting because we were rapidly just like scaling and like getting some good momentum. We like March, literally, we were, you know, signing our first convention center, um, talking to our first NBA team and things were good. And then COVID hit. And I think it, it really challenged us as like entrepreneurs. Obviously it challenged everybody, but for us, at the end of the day, you know, our core, you know, mission is to, to connect people, right? Keep people connected. Um, so whether that's, you know, because, you know, the environments that we used to be in were, were closed, there are still environments where, you know, individuals still needed to be connected. And um, so we, we sought out to find those. And so, you know, what we've landed on now is the uh, healthcare arena. Um, so uh, definitely where a lot of essential workers are still like moving and grooving, like their lifestyle is quite different than ours. Um, and then also the uh, transportation, public transportation arena. Um, you see a little, a lot of blue collar people um, still using that um, public transportation in order to get to and fro to work. They don't have the luxuries of, you know, working from home like many of us, but also as things, you know, begin to open up, that's um, a system that, uh, you know, a lot of people just utilize as everyday citizens. And so throughout this time, COVID, right, not only building out a mobile application to uh, automate things, but also building out a larger product because the products that we had, we would get too much demand. Like we would get too much people and we didn't have enough to supply um, these many hundreds of people that just wanted to use our product. And so we, you know, invested in, um, you know, a larger um, kiosk machine. And so our new kiosk machine allows, you know, up to 48 portable batteries to be rented at a time, but also wow. it has a digital screen component. And I think that's, again, our, our mission is to connect people, right. Um, or connect things. And in essence, now we are le leveraging these kiosk machines to allow businesses to connect with, you know, customers, attendees, uh, you know, individuals that come in and out of their location, especially in this like social distance climate, um, any way to like digitally, you know, communicate to somebody is, is the way to go. And so I think that's going to be a huge value. And again, you know, we had a, a model, um, it got disrupted by the current environment, and we, we found another way to be uh, valuable throughout this time. So, um, so essentially, it forced a pause, right? I mean, it forced you to reevaluate the business model, where you were going to go with it. And um, it paused one side of the business. But Desmond, I imagine that side of the business will, it'll rebound over the course of the next six or 12 months. But what it allowed you to do is in the interim, create a whole new sales channel, um, you know, with, with um, that can help propel growth that will grow. And then as the other stuff comes back online, it starts to grow. And now you've got two different sales channels that you're selling through. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, just everything startup is all about scalability. Right. And so in essence, um, I'm really looking forward to how we scale in this, this, this current environment. Cause it proves that at the end of the day, we just have a valuable product, right. The, uh, it could be valuable to any environment. And then, you know, when, when we figure out in the world, what, the, the new norm and I guess we've retired that right um what what that new environment looks like um again people are like honestly my friends are dying to get out you know like we're dying to to do the things that we you know used to do and so people are going to you know go back into the world it might be a little slower and not that many people may do it as frequently but there are going to be those atmospheres where individuals in essence are out and about and so will 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 still be a value when when that time comes as well. Yeah, I mean I think the market moves to you, right? I think people go back to um a world of seeking out experiences. Um and I think that plays into your hand as far as if we're seeking out experiences, we want to share those experiences, right? And if we're going to share those experiences, we need we need a battery life right. on our our devices in order to carry us there. So um I think it moves back in your direction. So um, what, um, the, um, the pivot took place, um, rather quickly. Were you able to move into healthcare on a pretty quick space, Desmond, or at um, a pretty, pretty quick pace? So I'll tell you, it, there was a, I wouldn't call it a pause because like we were able to like, we spent time like 
building out the mobile app and like developing the product and stuff like that. So like, honestly, COVID kind of hit at a, at a good time. Cause we, we already wanted to do some like iterations, right. We wanted to make things a little bit more efficient, but honestly, we had a little bit of runway because, you know, we did this thing called crowdfund in Q4 of last year and, you know, hit some milestones of raising, raising like um, 86 grand in like a few, uh, six weeks, you know, from individuals in our ecosystems um, and in our network. And so that allowed us to like, even though we were stagnant and didn't have that revenue coming through, we had enough runway to, to, to buy us time to like figure out that healthcare um, and public transportation was an opportunity. If we, if we didn't have that, it, it could have been a different story. So um, yeah. there was some pause time, but that pause time was like, Hey, we're, we're, we're building internally as well. Um, so quick shout out, you did the crowdfund through Will McGuire's platform, right? Man. Yeah, man. I call him the goat, man. Will is, Will is a good guy. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, what, two years ago, I, I didn't know anything about crowdfunding. Um, not like what I know now. And, you know, when we got connected, um, it, it was an interesting time because, I, you know, it was that whole chicken and egg. It was just like, man, I, I, we, we need to kind of move forward. You know, we need capital, but we, you know, on, on paper with, you know, the whole narrative is like, we don't have enough, you know, traction or whatever. And like, in order to get that traction, we need the capital. And so, you know, we needed to figure out how to do it um, ourselves. And like, I've never been one to uh, make excuses. I'm a resilient individual and like, I'm gonna just get it. And so I was just like, man, there has to be a way. And so, when we got introduced to crowdfund, um, you know, Will took time to, you know, really explain in depth, um, you know, what it was and like how we could leverage it. And so we started to see, we had built this organic community of supporters. Like now we got a couple thousand, um, like on our newsletters and stuff like that. But, you know, at the time it was a couple hundred, but a couple of people that were just engaged and like, where, where are you going to be at? Where's the next event? Or like, when can we get the product? Or like, you know, I love your branding and like, you know, we're heavy on like social media. And so it, it came a point of time where we had these people that really wanted to support us. Um, and now we had a time to allow them to become investors in our company. Like, Hey, you've been watching this for a while, like, you know, be a part of the journey. Right. But also, create a opportunity of wealth building um you you, you notice well i'm pretty sure we all know the statistics of like you know just like the the individuals that got access to like the ubers and these other companies and like they were in the high you know the the 250k plus a year um 1 million in you know assets and stuff like that it's just like man that's not everyday people but those were the people that were getting you know access to these like high growth companies and for us crowdfunding allowed us to give our communities an opportunity to 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 understand the tech game and invest and be investors and like you know use that disposable income that they have um and, and allow it to work with them and so we've been able to leverage that. And then we were also educating, you know, like uh, I say 90% um, is from, you know, first degree, second degree um, connections, um, whether it's fraternity, uh, university, you know, ecosystem, high school. I did back, uh, you know, reached out to people from high school um, because I wanted them to be a part. I felt like we were onto something. Um, we wanted them to be a part. And, you know, we were able to leverage that um, about 90 percent are, you know, African-Americans where, you know, a lot of times statistically, like we're not known for, you know, being investors in, in, in companies. And so we were, you know, activating this new form investor. Right. That in essence, not all about battery exchange, but when the next company comes about, um, you know, they'll be a little bit more versed on what investing is and ask the right questions to um, make a more informed decision on investing in that next company. And um, in essence, it, 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 it increases opportunities for more companies or more founders like me um, to, to thrive. And I think that's super important. So like that was something that I didn't even go in thinking, but it just organically happened. And it was just like a beautiful thing. And um, I'm super excited that we were able to do it. Yeah, I mean, you hit on, um, you know, I mean, a great point there. So um, entrepreneurship's hard enough, right? I mean, starting a company from scratch is a difficult thing to do. Um, and it's been well documented over the course of the last couple of years that minority um, entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs, you know, have that much more of a headwind against them than a typical one. So 
um, how, um, how do you handle that? How difficult it has been? Do you fall on back on? Um, and, you know, what are you, um, and I will get to what you're doing to kind of combat that on a go forward basis in a few minutes, but, um, you know, how hard is it? Man, it's, um, I, man, it's, it's tough. It's, it's yeah. really tough actually. Like it's, um, it's tough. And what's tough about it is you see, other founders or other individuals that don't look like you don't come from where you come from don't have the systematic um hurdles to kind of run through um and it's just it's not the same and so like not only do you have the the hurdles and the things that are blocking you that you have to leap over but you see how like easy it not easy because entrepreneurship is hard um you see how it could be different you see how it could be different and so i think that you know, when you see that, that's not motivating in itself because it's just like, dang, like, why do I have to go through this? And so as a as a black entrepreneur, you have to have a grit about you that is 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 really different to, you know, just propel through these these inequalities that are that are precedent. And like everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. But it's just like not enough has been done, um, you know, to, to kind of figure it out. But when you talk about like you know, capital, um, again, with like a systematical, um, systematic aspect. Um, I talked about like the individuals that had access, you know, to investment. Um, and you think about like wealth building, a lot of wealth building comes from investments. And, you know, um, if an individual is not even able to invest, um, how can they build wealth? And so, um, you know, when you are coming from an environment like that, where, even if I had an individual that I wanted to lean on, like they, they, they didn't even have access to it. So they didn't have the, the capital to kind of help me move forward. And you kind of hear these stories of, you know, I listened to how I built this. Right. And like, not to really knock them too I much. Love- I, I love it too, but you know, sometimes yeah. I can't relate to it because, yeah. you know, I hear these stories of like, um, it was uh, the Vital Cocoa Water episode I was just listening to. And he was just okay. talking about how, you know, his his granddad left him like 50 or 100 grand or something like that. And I was just like, man, yeah. you know, my granddad <laughs> passed away. I didn't get nothing, you know. And like, yeah. again, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. And it's just like, he's not better than me. You know, we could be on the same playing field. But if you got a little capital, you could do more things you know and like not even just capital like resources and mentorships um i think about you know individuals that are founder friends and you know their their dad or like you know uncle you know is like a a a big time you know we'll say duke or unc grad and it's just like yeah i have a buddy that could connect you to this right and like that immediate connection and again um because you know the community i come from has been so downtrodden for so long it's like it's not as accessible we're just now i say like you know in the last whatever years um being able to make the connections like that other people are able to make and so when, when you when you look at that environment and then you put it in an already difficult situation of entrepreneurship um being a black founder is 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 probably the toughest thing that i've ever tried to do in my life um, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's honestly, I think like, because of, you know, I'm a, a, a spiritual guy and I've been blessed with uh, opportunities of good mentorship and um, good, you know, people that allow me to connect. But I know a lot of people that already have and would have quit, you know, with, with the, 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 the smacking of the face and like the, the closed doors um, or just like the, the feeling of, you know, not being enough. Like I, I still walk in the, well, before, right. Before the climate um, shift, I, you know, I walk into the, the to arenas and I would feel this tenseness to where like, there's this preconceived notion of who I am just cause I'm black, you know? And it's just like, they don't even know anything about Desmond. And like, I have to claw through these, these, uh, I got to take down these pillars. Right. So that you can like respect me not you, right? Because I feel like we've always been good. But um, like that individual can respect me. Um, where like honestly, a white founder just comes in clean slate, and it's like they, they're already good because like they just have some type of commonality that is comfortable. Um, that allows them to build relationships a lot quicker. And when you come into an environment, you know, where it's predominantly, you know, Caucasian, how do you thrive in that? You know, when you run in, you run into a lot of stuffy, stuffy rooms and. You know, I, again, I was fortunate to uh, 
have the right people um, to just kind of help guide me through it. But um, it's to answer your question, it's 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 hard. It's hard. You got to be different. Do you? Um, and it's probably the wrong question to ask, but I'll ask it anyways. Do you? Um, do you put on blinders like a horse um, to it, or do you? Do you keep it just all out there as a motivation um, to keep driving harder? Right. Yeah, I, I think um, that or, question, or, or or is it, or is it neither? And I just don't, um, and and because obviously I, um, I can't relate, right? So how how do you handle it from a absorption of of it? Um, yeah, I, I think it's situational. Um, you you don't treat every um, encounter the same. I think that you know, uh, for me, it allows me to see and understand character because character and you know again i always talk about people that's important to me right like the the judgment an individual gives me that 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 allows me to understand how they think right and so you know there's been times where i've been in environments where individuals didn't give me any attention and then i come into another atmosphere where you know i'm already i've already built a relationship with individuals that are considered as leaders or this that and other and it's just like oh now they want to you know tear down those barriers but it's like no i i already know how you are so like i'm not even gonna put my energy into building a relationship with you i want to find you know i always say genuine people attract genuine people so um if, if that's the case i'm not gonna spend energy into somebody that um doesn't really care because you would have shown that um in that first encounter so i don't i, I do and i'm i'm really direct right I, i'm i'm super like just like man speak my mind um and that's a gift and a curse right because some environments is just like oh he just said that but i think you know you need those individuals that aren't scared to speak up for themselves and speak up for just wrongdoing in, in, in times, you know? And I think that when I've done that, other people think like me and, and they're not even black, they're, they're white, you know, and they're okay. And they just never had a chance to voice it. And so I think I've seen, you know, value in that as well. But um, there's sometimes you have to have the blinders cause like you got goals and you got milestones that you, you can't even, it's like a, a bulletproof vest. Like you're walking through and it's just like, you're going to get hit sometime. Well, hopefully right not, but, but majority <laughs> of the times, right. 99% of the time you want that, that bulletproof vest to, to take the bullet and just have it drop off. And like, you literally have to be built like that because if you, if you don't endure through, like you're not going to reach your milestone. You can't let people's personal opinion or their character affect your trajectory. Cause once you do that, like you're not reaching, where you need to get to. And, you know, we all have, you know, lanes and alleys that we have to do um, in this world and we have to endure stuff. And, you know, I just, I just take it as like, yo, that's my journey. That's what I have to endure. And I just won't let it affect me. Yeah, no. Well, you got a lot of people that speak really highly. If you had lunch with Todd Bulo the other day and despite Todd not being a very good person, I'm just kidding. He does a great <laughs> job in the community. He's a good guy. That's Todd's fantastic. He, um, he loves what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, um, a lot of other folks in the community do as well. Um, so speaking of community, um, I saw it this week, it might have happened before this week. Um, you've taken on a new initiative. Is it within C idea fund? Is that what, or not NC is, is it within C idea? Um, so it's the black entrepreneurship council, right? Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that what it's and, called? Um, yeah. Yeah. And definitely. So, and I felt like, yeah, and I'll just expound upon it a little bit more. Yeah, no, what is it? How did it get started? Um, and, I mean, obviously, you're trying to help make it easier. Um, you're trying to make it so you took the – I hate using that term. Um, uh, let's not say bullets. You took the punches for other folks that they, so they don't have to follow in those footsteps, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, what is it? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it, you know, first and foremost, you know, my personal values of, you know, taking those bullets and like, you know, um, in essence, you know, going through the struggles, I, I use that context, going through the struggles, right, to learn and, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, and receive so much, you know, that I would want to give to another individual that is trying to figure it out. Um, you know, that's our, that's our, you know, honestly, in the black culture, like, that's just how we're molded is to, you know, pull as we go, you know, and that's another, like, honestly, 
it's still a hurdle because like white counterparts don't have to do that. Right. But again, that's just, it's just the way it is, but we understand that. And so you have to be really selfless um, in any environment to, to, to be wanting to pull others. But, you know, it, I'll say this um, in order to not, you know, to, to give it some time to, to kind of marinate, but you know, my reasoning for even applying and wanting to be a part of the, you know, the, the, the environment, the council was to be a part of this shift because I think we all see, you know, the, again, the inequalities or the systematic things that, that, that just aren't right. And as a, you know, previous uh, applicant um, to some of the grants, um, I, I always felt that there, there wasn't enough people that understood my upbringing or understood where I came from that could connect. Cause like everything from like, when, especially when you bring money into the, the mix is, is, is relationship based. It's like, can I connect with this individual in order to believe in what they're doing? A lot of that connection comes from like understanding environment. And I felt like, you know, for me, I felt like some of the, you know, things that we did um, were based off of, you know, what we were dealt and like being able to maneuver in our environment. And, you know, I never felt like to some extent the individuals that were on the other side of the table could, could relate to that. And, you know, that caused me to, to not get the, the opportunities to literally change my business, you know, literally, you know, um, get to some of the milestones and goals we wanted to hit quicker with the, with the capital. And so, you know, that was something that like, it bothered me. And so I was always just like, man, how could I be of making this different? And so when the council came about, you know, it, it was, you know, articulated as a, as a, as a way for there to be that, that level in that balance in, you know, understanding, right? Like everybody that applies or like everybody that wants to be a part or that wants to get a part of these resources, like you kind of got to understand what they need, right. And be able to connect with them. And so, you know, it was a organization where, you know, individuals that come from those environments can add value and, and, and really connect the, the black founders that are, are trying to make it through. And I think one of the biggest things is like tangible and, and, and real capital, right? Real resources, real things that are needed in, you know, the current climate. And if you're not, honestly, like, I can't name, you know, I know a lot of people just within ecosystems, they, they not, they don't know what I need, you know, because they're not in my neighborhood. They're not in my, my circles, right? They, they don't have the same conversations that I have. And so it's like a, 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 you know, the blind leading somebody that, you know, needs real, real direction. It's just like, man, I'm going to give you what I think you need. And so I think this, this council was formed to be a, a, a catalyst in providing real resources or real needs for the systematic, um you know differences in in the whole like tech ecosystem so like i'm happy to be a part of it um and again me being a uh you know real direct and challenging person sometimes i think that you know hopefully that's received well so that it's not and this was my fear you know with all the you know the you know george floyd's um jacob blakes and like things like that that just have been occurring and like people are losing their life it's like you know, let's do this one thing and then everything will be okay. Like, no, it's, it's, it's not just this one thing. So, you know, even though I'm a part of this council, like I would hope that, you know, there's room to, to push even more to, to broaden perspectives, because if it was that easy to change, we would have changed it a long time ago. It's going to take time. There's a lot of things that need to be implemented that, you know, can be, you know, reflective on an ROI status right now, or even like five years from now, right? And like just really understanding where we need to go so that things are, are, are fair as possible and we're getting the best entrepreneurs and giving them the most opportunity so that they can be successful. Because when we have successful entrepreneurs, our communities thrive, our people thrive, our businesses thrive. And, you know, in essence, everybody kind of um, everybody kind of wins and, and it, it just hasn't been laid out like that. And so I hope this is a a um a, a charter or a charge towards that um so i'm really looking forward to it yeah no um 
if it's like just about anything else that seems to touch, it'll be successful. Um, so you, um, you've consistently mentioned circle community, um, and everything else over the course of the last 45 minutes. So, um, you know, talk, talk a little bit more about, you know, the community, not only have you been leading battery exchange over the course of the last, um, two plus years now, um, throughout this pandemic, you've done a lot of community stuff as well. So what's the Charlotte community, um, the North Carolina community, what's, you know, what's out there? Um, and what are you pushing? I shouldn't yeah. say pushing. What are you, what are you pulling and leading? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the black entrepreneurship council, um, I've recently um, jumped on the board for uh, Boostpad, which is, you know, led by Stephen Lewis out of Charlotte. Um, and, you know, that's more of like a, a, a platform for, uh, you know, underrepresented um, founders um, to uh, give them access to, you know, understanding what the ecosystem is all about, um, you know, industry experts, you know, advisory, and then, you know, obviously access to capital as well. And I feel like the initiative behind it is, is huge. Um, and so that's like, you know, what I'm kind of a part of in Charlotte, but also, you know, the, the Packer Place community. Um, and, you know, Dan and, you know, I, I honestly, I, I connect with Jasmine, which is, I think, his um, assistant um, yeah. very much, you know, just to push that. Um, but also the Advent, you know, community, right? And just like everything that you know, what's going on there. And so for me, the reason why like I'm connected to all these different communities and why it's so important to me is because every community gives something different. And I was able to, in a really organic way, learn that. And I want more founders to understand how to leverage. And then Tabris is another one, right? Um, Jeff and the, the guys over there, um, you know, these communities are all important. And on the on the exterior, it seems like sometimes they do a lot of the same thing, but you know, the relationships inside of those are, are quite different. Right. And, and you got to know how to like maneuver and like what you can, you can give, but also take from each community. And I feel like that is a big part of why I've been able to, you know, push battery exchange forward or just push my, you know, my own personal um, wants of just like, you know, interconnectivity, um, you know, together. And so I'm a big advocate of like, of just connecting everything and just things being together. Um, and so that's something that I also want to share with, you know, not only black founders, but just founders that don't understand the Charlotte ecosystem, because it's quite different. But um, outside of, of Charlotte, I'm quite connected. So, you know, I went to Winston-Salem State. So the Winston-Salem Greensboro um, ecosystems, I'm pretty connected there and then you know the raleigh um durham you know connection is is huge as well because we did riot accelerator up in riot um raleigh tom snyder and the crew um the fam i always say uh they're huge and they have a really good accelerator program but again it's like understanding what you get out of raleigh what you get out of durham what you get out of wilmington what you get out of winston-salem you know greensboro what you get out of charlotte and so i'm a really big advocate of like micro ecosystems and just learning how to thrive and leverage that because we have been we as just like individuals in the tech entrepreneurial space um we've been blinded by thinking the only way to make it is you know going to silicon going to new york going to austin and and you know doing a road show and you know getting four mil like man that doesn't even happen for real like it, it, the the percentage of that is so low majority of the entrepreneurs across America are in these second tier, third tier ecosystems that are trying to thrive. Like they see what Silicon has done and they have duplicated that, but adapted it into their current environment. Like I am, you know, in tune with, you know, some Midwest uh, ecosystems and then, you know, uh, you know, down South and just like further down South um, and just kind of seeing what happens. And so, I feel like what I've been able to do and, you know, whether it's the ecosystem, whether it's, you know, the, the leverage and the network side on the, the crowdfunding capital side, um, I feel like a lot more people can duplicate that versus going to Silicon and doing a roadshow and, you know, the ROI on it is, is a lot more, again, just doable. And I felt like, you know, that's something that, you know, I'm trying to frame and show, 
um, you know, people that, you know, we can in essence do it because I even think about my community and just sharing how, you know, getting into the technology space is a little bit more doable than like what's quote unquote, like, you know, going to play basketball or, you know, doing the whole like, you know, rapping thing, right? It's just like, man, you get into a STEM program early, you go to like, you study computer science, like you are fast tracking your life, like you're going to get, you know, paid really well, you're going to get, you know, the the right job opportunities, you're going to be valuable in the next like 20 or 30 years. So for me, it's always looking back and just sharing like my journey and just like, hey, if I could do this, I would do this. And this is what it'll do for you and being able to show tangible, you know, guidelines and, you know, templates of like, hey, if you stay on track, like, man, you you, you do your own thing as you get through, because um, we all have to adapt. But this is a good um, template to go off of. And I feel like everything for me is all about connecting all those different things that I've learned. Um, and then the next thing and the last thing that I'll say is just like on an international level, um, being connected there, I think globalization has allowed us to be um, in tune with different markets and understanding that uh, different markets are doing different things. Like I went to CES in January um, and that was where I was able to see like, hey, this is what's going on in Japan, in Europe, in uh, Tel Aviv. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's how can we learn or how could we be a part of that? Or, you know, what could we be known for? And I think that's, you know, really important that we, we, we figure that out on a communal, um, individual level. And so like, I'm a, I'm a really big advocate of like pushing all of those things forward while running my company. <laughs> uh, being married and having a newborn, right? So right, right, um, right. anyways, and I'll go back and I'll say you should, your eyes seem like you should be a lot more red than they are th- this morning, right? Man, I have so, a good partner. <laughs> I have a good partner. She's yeah. good. She's good. Yeah. Uh, that's where it all starts with. Um, so what's, um, we don't have that much time left, right? But um, what's next for, um, what's next for battery exchange? Um, and then what's next for Desmond? And yeah, when I say so, what's next, I'm not talking about not um, for Desmond, not after battery exchange, just, you know, what do you do? What's, where are you going? Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. So, I know I can see where you go, going to really cool places. I don't know what it is. I just know you're going to, you're going to do really, really cool things. Nah, and I appreciate that. And, you know, that really means a lot just coming from you and your, um, you know, how I respect you and the, the ecosystem and like how I also hear people talk about you, you know, um, so it's, it's good to even be on this platform. Um, you know, battery exchange is simple. Um, we want to get to the point we have goals of, you know, three to five years um, having the opportunity to sell, um, you know, or be acquired. Um, and in essence, if we're on to something bigger, um, keep, keep, keep going. Um, but I think that right now it's all about scaling. Um, and so with that, we've been able to start to build, you know, networks in the, you know, the, the angel communities, um, and, you know, even in the VC, um, world and just kind of, you know, building, like getting more, get more capital, get more capital to scale, to, to, to reach these milestones. Um, you know, we're, you know, going to open up a, a smaller round, maybe like 250, and then, you know, the goal is to raise a million um, and, you know, allow that to take us to this next phase to where we're in different regions and we have enough influence um, to where we can, you know, be hyper effective. And we're working on some big partnerships right now. Um, so that's another thing that's really, really big for us. Um, but with that, you have to have the, the density and the capacity to, you know, efficiently run that. And so I'm really, really big on team. And so uh, our team is about seven, seven. Um, well, honestly, we're about like 15 to 20 people. Uh, but, you know, you know, individuals that are day to day, you know, seven or eight. But, you know, we have outside consultants, advisors, you know, different things like that. And so just building up on that team um, and just being prepared for the growth that we see. Uh, but along the line, innovating, you know, continuing to add value to our users to where we can keep them better connected to the businesses that we partner with um, and, you know, make sure that we are that reliable. We want to be that reliable product that like if it wasn't for battery exchange, like I want that to be a part of the conversation, like whatever it is, you know, you finish that as a user. Um, so that's what's kind of next for us. Um you know, for me, uh, the continued impact, um, you know, I think about, you know, my time with, you know, organizations with like Black Tech Charlotte, you know, and just like the initiative and the impact that, 
that instilled in me. Um, and then now the opportunities, you know, with the, you know, BEC and, you know, Boost Pad and just like even communities, ver um, you know, that I've been able to connect through on a virtual level. I think COVID has tear down the the barriers of entry to, you know, even the Silicons, the, the Austins, you know, these ecosystems that now have to go virtually that are opening their doors to everybody else. Like, just because you're on the East Coast, you're not left behind. And so, you know, continuing to build relationships um, and, you know, see how I could, you know, continue to use what I've learned to uh, help founders that look like me um, thrive, um, you know, and and not take you know, not go through the struggles that I've been through, you know, I've been through a lot and it's been tough and it's been scary and I've cried, you know, and it's just different things. And it's just like, I felt like it was no hope. It's just like, man, if I could just share a little bit with the the next generation of entrepreneurs, um, just to allow them to, to, to move forward a little bit quicker, like I've done my job. And so like, I just want to continue to add value to the world. So that's, and then, you know, just figuring out this whole, um, fatherhood thing um I, I think one of the things on a personal level that's important to me um a lot of people growing up you know that I was exposed to um even through college they were just kind of giving off this narrative that you couldn't be successful and you can't be successful in business and be successful in, in family right and I I'm not gonna say you know like however anybody feels about that I just want to be able to like successfully balance it to like where there's there's enough of me for my family right and and they're getting what they need there will be sacrifices i'm not saying that everything is going to be you know i'm there 24 7 but the, the same with my business you know and like i'm able to effectively you know balance both and be successful in both to where again another template where the next you know mentee that i have i can say man this is how i did it and I believe that you can do it too. Um, and so I try to immerse and uh, well surround myself with those type of people that have done that. And so like a lot of my mentors, you know, the books that I read, the things that I, I try to involve in myself is, you know, structuring me to, to be really intentional on that balance. So um, that's kind of where the growth um, and next phase of life um, looks like for me. And then growing as a leader um, is tough man like day in and day out like you think you want something and then you get it and it's just like oh this is this is scary this is tough this is not as like easy as i thought it was going to be it looked better on paper you know and so um just growing in that capacity um and and just rolling with the punches and um you know uh you'll um you'll be successful with whatever you put your mind to i don't have any doubt about that so um it's been a really really um it's been a fun interview i mean i think the first time we met was at a uh, event ceremony um in noda um and probably crossed paths a couple other times but it's been a really really fun conversation i've really enjoyed getting to know more about you um and super excited for your race um I don't think there's any doubt that you'll hit it um, and anything the community can do to get you there. I'm sure they will. So thanks for spending some time with us today, Desmond. I really appreciate it, man. The pleasure is all mine. Um, I, I would look forward to just, you know, continuing to share, you know, my story and just like, you know, proving that, uh, you know, companies like ours can thrive um, in just any environment and, um, and just kind of, again, changing the narrative of, um, you know, African-Americans in the technology space and, just giving more value than I can, um, than anything else. So, well, again, whatever we can do to help, let us know. And thanks All for right. your time. Yeah, sounds good. address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. 
Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.